All right, that is awesome. That's uh, Pastor Adam and Gabby, his wife, uh, from Tunkhannock, and Pastor Adam's preached here before. And uh, those are cringy, man. Those are just awesome, cringy things. But we're talking about reality and uh, reality in the book of James and our spiritual reality and how our faith connects with reality. And we're going to start, though, with a game. And so especially if you are watching online right now, you're going to want to create a profile so you can get into the chat and be involved in this game. Because if you get all of these questions right in this game, you will win one of two prizes, an amazing amount of nothingness (laughs) or my voicemail on your answering machine, right? My voice on your answering machine, if anybody even has those, just pretty much an amazing amount of nothingness. But... So, so here's, here's the, so while they're, they're creating profiles on there, um, I just want to just ex- explain and talk a little bit about the, how, how reality is really important. This is one of the reasons why I love the Bible, because sometimes the Bible is confusing, but, but it's always real, right? Because sometimes life is confusing, and sometimes the Bible is not pretty, but life is the same way. Sometimes life is not pretty. And the Bible is, is just one of the reasons I love it so much is because it's so real and true. And, and it's so important for us to get in there. And especially in a, in a day and age like today that where reality is becoming, I mean, we are swimming and drowning in lies, aren't we? I mean, just lies built on lies on top of lies, and people are telling you what happened last year or five minutes ago, and you're like, no, I was there. That's not what happened. Like, and, and just bold-faced, like, like uh, unlike anything I've ever seen before, and, and it's becoming increasingly difficult to tell what is real and what is fake. And so what we're going to do is we're gonna, I'm going to have pictures up here, and you're going to try to guess what's Photoshopped or what's a real picture, Okay. Now, the young people will do better at this than the older people because they may even have seen these pictures and, and they're just more savvy about uh, spotting photoshopped fake things, you know. But, but I want to tell the young people here that the older people here, they are better at spotting fakes of other kinds. And this is why the church is so important and we need each other in our lives because, you know, I, I don't know of any other organization that has people getting together with 90-year-olds. We have 90-year-olds here this morning, and then we have nine-year-olds, and then we have some of you that act like nine-year-olds, <laughs> you know, that, not that I'm pointing at anyone, Don. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so, okay, so here's the quiz. Ready? Here's the first one. You can shout it out, or you can type in the chat if you're watching. Is this real or fake? You shout it out. Fake, real, real? Obviously, some of you are not fans of Kratz creatures. You don't know the maned wolf from Brazil when you see it. This is a real animal. So it is not fake. All right. Next one. Now you're all gun shy. All right. Is this real or fake? Fake, real, yeah. It, it is a fake. This is the actual lion, and then they just colored it black to fit someone's mascot or whatever. All right. So next one. Here we go. There's... You're doing good. Real or fake? Real? Fake? Real? Uh, People think it's real. It is fake. They they photoshopped the bear in later and they staged the whole thing, so that's not real. Now, this might be the easiest one. Is this real or fake? This is a nuclear bomb going off in the background while Albert Einstein, this is a pretty dark one. Albert Einstein's riding his bicycle. Is this real or fake? It, It is fake, okay? 
It is really him riding his bike, but, but the whole background is not actually happening. That would be really dark, man, if he would. Anyway, so real or fake? All right. This is a flock of birds attacking a plane. No, it's, it's a plane flying through a flock of birds. Real or fake? It, it is real, yeah. That doesn't help some of you to want to fly. My wife hates flying. Don't show her this. This one won't help either. Um, real or fake? What do you think? This guy's name, Brazilian pilot, Daniel Centeno. And uh, people got really mad at him. But if you know anything about cabin pressure, about the speed of which planes fly and all of that, you'll know this is fake. You can also see if you get really close, you can see that he's on the ground when he took the picture because it's reflecting off of his sunglasses. So. <laughs> but he got in tons of trouble for this. People thought this was real. All right, how about this one? Real or fake? Has this been photoshopped? Real or fake? So it is so strange. You got to know it's probably real. This is at Aqua Land in Spain, the floating faucet. There is a pipe that goes up here with water in it, and it spills water out to disguise it, and that pipe is what's holding up the whole thing. And so really pretty fascinating. This is, this is something similar, real or fake? It, it looks to, so fake, it's got to be real. <laughs> This is wire art by um, Benedict Radcliffe, uh, an artist, and he just bends this wire to look like usually sports cars, so kind of kind of cool. How about this? This is a trick one, real or fake? This is in Paris, taken in 2007. Um, Pierre Devali is the artist behind this. This is both real and fake. So this is a real picture of a fake facade that was draped like a canvas draped over a, a building while they were reconstructing it, you know, and, and so that's a trick question. All right, last one, last one. We're kind of we're dying here. All right, last one. Is this real or fake? You know, this, this hole. Real or fake? Yeah, it looks like a movie thing, which would make it fake, but this is Guatemala City, and uh, May 30th, 2010, a 60-foot wide, 30-story deep sinkhole just opened up in Guatemala City. So um, about 100 feet deep, crazy. Um, one individual was killed, and I look at that, and I think 60 feet wide. It's amazing that more people didn't die. So reality, does reality even matter? Yeah, it matters a lot, doesn't it? Like, it, it, truth is really important, and the fact that there's more and more lies and more and more ways to, like, try to uh, fool people into what's true and what's not doesn't make reality any less important. In fact, it's, it's, it's as, impo as important as ever now, as ever before. And, and so we're going to look through the book of James this morning and just talk about some truths about temptation, Truths about temptation, and the first thing in these, this, this first verse in James chapter 1, verse 13, and you can turn there if you have your own copy of the scriptures, maybe on your phone, version is a great app. If you don't have uh, a paper copy of the Bible like this and you want one, there's some back at the Welcome Center. You can just ask, and they will give you one. Um, but James chapter 1, 13 talks about how temptation is a reality that I can't escape. Um, and in fact, this is how it starts. He says, when tempted. He doesn't say, if you're ever tempted, 
No, no, temptation is something that we all face. And what is temptation? Temptation is a desire to do something that's wrong. And, and the desire itself is not wrong. It's, it's whether you follow through on it because sin always involves a choice. And so if I want to eat three pieces of cheesecake in one sitting, is, have I sinned? No, no. If I eat three pieces of cheesecake in one sitting... Have I sinned? I, I would say yes. Three pieces in a week? No. Three pieces in one sitting? Yeah. That would be gluttony, right? That would be, that would be wrong. It would be not healthy. And I would, it would be delicious going down. About a half hour later, I'd be like, you know, like in a sugar crash. And so he's saying, when tempted, we're all tempted, but no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. This is an important point here, and it's also it can be confusing. In the original language, if you back up a few verses, one of the verses uh, Pastor Josh looked at last week, it started, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. That word trials is the same word for tempted. So you could also say, consider it pure joy whenever you face temptations of many kinds. You say, well, that really even sounds worse. But the truth is, trials and temptations often come in a package together. In fact, it's hard to go through a trial without it also being a temptation, right? The physical world and the spiritual world are, are just woven together. They're, they're, they're inseparable in our lives many times. And so if you, if you get cancer, if you're diagnosed with an illness, that is a physical trial, but there's also a spiritual temptation that comes along with it. Am I gonna panic? Am I gonna, I'm gonna try to fix it myself or am I gonna run to God? You know, when there's a broken relationship and, and, and someone's mean to you or you've, you've done something wrong, and I mean, in a broken relationship, there's a, there's a, it's a trial, a relationship that's not going well, or, or someone passes away, that's a trial. But it's also a temptation. Am I going to be self-focused in this? Am I going to run away from God? In, in my grief and, and all of that. So, so, but no one should say God is the one who tempts people. And, and sin is kind of universal. Surely, I was, this is not something original to James, the author of this letter, um, who many believe. So Jesus had four brothers. I don't know if uh, all of you necessarily knew that. And at least two sisters. And during his lifetime, they thought he was crazy. But after the resurrection, at least two of his brothers, James and Jude, became followers of Jesus Christ and, and wrote two of the books of the Bible. And this is one of them, James. And so, but this isn't new with James, that, that we're all tempted. Um, this is something David wrote a thousand years before James, almost 3,000 years ago. He wrote, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You were a sinner before you were even born. You know, and, and then... Uh, Paul in Romans 3, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And he was actually quoting the Old Testament there. And, and again here, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and its way, death came to all people because all people have sinned. So we're, we're all going to experience temptation and we've all experienced it already and failed when we face temptation. And what James 1.13 is saying, don't blame it on God. And we actually do this. You see, we say, you know, God made me this way. It's who I am, right? 
We do this more with certain kinds of sins than others. And, and here's something about sin, like, like something like someone who's gay might say, well, God made me gay. And, and, and that's not true. Um, the truth is that, that what this says is, is what happened. God made Adam and Eve perfect in the garden, but then Adam and Eve sinned. And then that propensity and that broken and those desires that are wrong passed upon everyone. And here, here's what you need to hear. The world wants to separate us into categories and say, oh yeah, th these people are different. If you're straight, you're gay, that you're different. No, we're not. We're all the same. We all have desires that we didn't ask for, that we didn't choose, that are wrong, that we need to fight. Right? And this is true in so many areas of our lives, whether it's gluttony, like what I talked about already, and we all know that we need to resist that. We all know that, you know, if we want to sleep and be, you know, not, not, not work hard and, and, you know, have a life of ease, but that's called laziness. We all know we need to fight those desires. And, and we all have, and actually talking about genetics, do you know there is a genetic marker that, that you can be tested for and, and actually, you often don't even need to be tested for, but to, to know you have it. But this genetic marker makes you over nine times more likely to commit murder. Did you know that? It's called the Y chromosome. <laughs> I'm serious. So, so, you know, if you say, you know what, God made me this way. I was made nine times more likely to commit murder than Terry Blair. That's how God made me. God didn't make me, you know, with this you know, murder thing. No, he made us perfect, but because of Adam and Eve and sin, now we all, all of us, not one group of us or one this or one that and separate and, and label and all that. No, all of us struggle with desires we didn't ask for that, that, that we need to resist. And so James here, he's, he's gonna walk us through how do we stop what, what, how do we resist these desires that we all have because of the fall and because of a Adam and Eve? So it doesn't come from God, um, but, but it's something that's, that we all have. But temptation is part of a process that I can stop. And that, that, that's good news. And here's how he talks about it. He says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And so he's saying, God doesn't make you sin. And he's not even saying, Satan made you do it, right? It's not Satan either. We're, it's, and it's not, Ryan doesn't make me sin, you know? You know, no. Like, where does, where does this sin come from? He says it comes from within. It, it, it's your own desires. You are your own biggest enemy. You get in a fight. I get in a fight with my wife, Becky, and whose fault is it? Well, yeah, th thank you for answering so quickly. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Yeah, it is my fault. Like, it's like, well, no, she made me angry. You don't understand how, you know, she pushed my buttons. No, she can't push buttons that I don't have. And I have this whole, you know, button table or whatever. And, you know, and... And so, no, so my sin is my problem. And that's what it's saying here. We're dragged away by our own desires and enticed. And, and this is where we need to, I, I, I've used this before, but I think this is such an important principle. I just want to hit it over and over again that we need to understand that sin is not harmful because it's forbidden. 
So the, the, the thinking behind this is like God's up in heaven and he's like, you know what, I just want to hit people with my God stick. <laughs> Who am I going to hit? Well, let's, I'll just make some things forbidden so I can hit them when they do them. I'm going to make stealing forbidden. Like, oh, good, that person stole. Wham! And it, No, that's not the way it works. It's, it's like the, the physical world and the spiritual world are just woven together. And so we understand, when I was a kid, I stuck my thumb in a light socket. Okay, because I heard it would hurt, and I wondered how much it would hurt. <laughs> it was not that bright, <laughs> although I was for a moment. <laughs> it lit me up, you know? But so when I stuck my thumb in the light socket, was God up in heaven, and he's like, oh, good, I can electrocute Bob. And he like, and he like shook me and gave me pain and all of that. No, God didn't do that. Electricity did that all by itself. Like, you know, and, and if, if someone drinks bleach, does God have to go down and, like, totally destroy their esophagus and their... No. Drinking bleach does that all by itself. He doesn't need to do anything. In fact, he does the, you know, he does the opposite. And this is true of spiritual sin as well. When you steal, God doesn't have to punish you. Stealing comes with a punishment all on its own. And we see this happening, you know, in, in California. It's actually still illegal to steal in California, but um, it's a misdemeanor. I have to say, I thought it was legal. I'm like, I see this. I'm like, but it's, it's a misdemeanor, so it's punishable. If you steal $950 or less, it's punishable up to a $1,000 fine. Ooh, that's a big, you know, deterrent. I stole $950, and I, if I'm caught, I'll have to pay a $1,000 fine, you know, but... But you can also have six months in jail, but they have this, this immediate release um, for, for bond. Like if it's a small um, misdemeanor like that, you don't have to pay any bond and you're immediately released. And so the cops don't even bother. And, and so here's what happens, though. Not only does stealing hurt the store owners, but Walgreens pulled 22 stores out of L.A. and 17 stores out of San Francisco. And that's just one chain. Try to find a drugstore in some of these places to get your medicine from. It hurts the whole community. And it even hurts the person who's stealing because it doesn't make them a better person, right? And so, and, and so you see, so God looks down and he says, that's harmful. You're gonna hurt yourself. Don't stick your thumb in a light socket. Don't sin because it, it, it's harmful. And, and I think we gotta just view God. God isn't this this, you know, giant killjoy who wants to ruin your fun. And, and so different areas of sin, we think, you know, this isn't hurting anyone. If you think that, you think you're smarter than God is. And that's not going to end well. Because maybe the consequences aren't right away. People stealing in California, they mean, I got away with it. For now. But the consequences are coming and it might not be as immediate as a light socket. I learned my lesson after the second time. <laughs> that is a true story. After the second time, I've never done it again. So, all right. So here's the cycle of sin. He says it starts with desire, the temptation. And, and when you are tempted, that's the desire. And then here's the important part. And he talks about this in the verses that we're going to see next, is the deception. So between desire and disobedience, there's always a lie that you're believing. And, and because we, we are not crazy, 
okay? We as human beings, we are rational. We do irrational things, but if you ask someone who did something irrational, they will tell you, it seemed like a good idea at the time, (laughs) you know? Hold my beer, watch this. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but but there's a deception in there, and I just have a list um, of different lies that we tend to believe, and I put them in two categories, the I'm a failure lies and then the keep sinning lies. Here's some I'm a failure lies. You'll never escape your past, so why even try? Just give up and, and do that sin. Is, is that true, you'll never escape your past? No, that is a lie. There's a word that we use in church sometimes called, it's amen, okay? What amen means is it's true. I don't know if you knew that. So when someone says amen, they're saying it's true. Is it a lie that that you can never escape your past? No, yes, yes, it is a lie, and that's, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm not doing this well. Okay, next slide. You don't deserve anything good because of what you've done. Now, now that is a lie. Now, the interesting things about lies is, is the most damaging, deceptive, harmful lies are mostly true. I mean, and biblically, do you deserve anything good because of what you've done? No, you don't deserve anything good, but here's, that's why Jesus came and died for you, and he loved you, and so that you, you, you are his righteousness. You have the righteousness of God in you. We sing that in a song. It comes right out of Romans. And so because of Christ's righteousness, you do deserve good. And God, God, God wants good for you. And you shouldn't listen to that lie to say, I might as well give up and not, not fight this temptation. You see, because in our minds, what we want, we are really good at making up lies so that we get what we want. And, and sometimes those lies can even be self you know, defeating and, 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 and depressing. But in the end, we get what we want. And we got to just say no to these lies. You're a failure and everyone knows it. That's a lie. You'll never overcome this sin. You're just too weak. You're too weak. You always have been. You always will be. Sometimes we have voices of other people in our heads saying things like this. And we put them on replay right? And we just over and over again, nobody lies to you more than you do because nobody talks to you more than you talk to yourself. I'm constantly having these conversations, right, in my own head about what's going on and about what I should do and what, you know, and, and, and so we got to confront these lies. This is the desire you can't stop desire, right? We're born with the desire. It's not from God, but we're born with it. We're born with all sorts of terrible desires to do terrible things. Some of it's genetic, It's been proven. So we can't stop that. Disobedience, we don't want to do that. There's only one step in between where we can stop it and fight it. It makes telling ourselves the truth so so important. Keep sinning lies. No one will ever know about this sin. That's a lie. Jesus says what is whispered in secret will be shouted on the rooftops in the day of judgment. And even beyond the day of judgment, be sure your sin will find you out. I don't know if your mother ever quoted that to you. Mine did. You know, and, and sin has a way of being found out. And so saying, no, 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 I'm smarter. I won't get found out. I won't, you know, I, I visit people in prison and every so often there's one guy in my head right now that I'm thinking of and he's gone away for, for at least a year or two now in prison. But when I've talked to him, 
Like, he was always one of those guys that was like, I'll be smarter next time. He wasn't sorry. He wasn't going to do anything different. He was just going to be smarter. And when I talk to guys like that, I know you'll be back. You know, and because um, it's a lie. No one will ever know. I'm not hurting anyone. Um, First of all, you're hurting God. Secondly, you're hurting yourself. Thirdly, this is one of the reasons why God hates sin so much is because sin is not fair. People that are not sinning get hurt by people who do sin. Always. Sometimes it's indirect. Many times it's direct. And so you don't think you're hurting someone. Eventually, someone will get hurt that doesn't deserve it. And it's a lie. And we need to confront these lies. I'm smart enough or tough enough Whatever, I, I'll, I'm, you know, it won't, it, won't, it won't get me. Or maybe this lie, after all I've done, I deserve this one thing. And by the way, another lie, it's not nearly as bad, you know, as what they're doing. You know, as Ryan, Michelle, you know, that's a lie. Sorry, Ryan, I'm picking on you. <laughs> Um, and you know what, we, we sometimes go from one extreme lie to the other extreme lie, from the one extreme line of I'm not an addict, I can quit anytime I want, to the other extreme of I am an addict and I can't quit, so why try, right? And, and just lies. So we need to confront these lies and then um, disobedience, here's, uh, and then disobedience leads to death. The, the verse says this, then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Here's the good news. Sin is not full grown in any of your lives because you're alive. <laughs> Which means whatever sin is in your life, it wants to grow bigger. And it might be huge right now, but it, it can get bigger. And it can get even more deadly and more, more powerful and, and more wicked. And, and so we need to run from, from, from our, our sin we need to run from the lies. We need to tell ourselves the truth so that, so that it doesn't grow any bigger and, and so that we start killing the lies in our own life. Um, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. So this is where, so just reading the verses through James chapter one, and he says, you know, it's not God that's tempting you, and, and, and now he's explaining, you know what? Here's a key to overcoming this this cycle of sin in our lives that comes from within us, he says, don't be deceived. My brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above. Your sinful desires don't come from God. He's the one who wants to give you good things. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. You can't necessarily depend on any human being in your life because people change and people die. But God never changes, and he's always there, and he is always good and there to help you. And he says he chose, God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. So he's talking about the cycle of sin, desire, deception, um, disobedience, and death. That cycle of sin, he says, it leads to death, but God wants to lead us in the opposite way, to life, through birth, through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of all he's created. And so temptation is overcome by truth. 
And, and I'm gonna talk about, just close here with three sources of truth that we really need to, to have in our lives to fight temptation. And the first is the truth of the Bible. If this is the only time you hear the Bible read and the only time in your week that you think about what the Bible says, you are not going to survive. And that, that cycle of sin, of, of desire and deception and disobedience and eventually death, that, that is going to cycle through your life over and over again. You, you need to be in the God's word on your own. And if you can't read, thankfully we have version app on, on, on phones or on the computer and you can have it read to you. And if you don't have a Bible, you can pick one up here. But we need to be reading this on a daily basis and internalizing it and thinking about what it means because on a daily basis you are being lied to. If not by your own internal self, then certainly by the media all around us, lying about the nature of sin and how it won't hurt you and how it's so beautiful and how it's, it's so awesome and it'll make you happy. And, and we gotta combat that with the truth. And so, so read the truth of the Bible. And the second thing is to surround yourself with truth tellers. I don't know if I have time to do this. I, I was thinking about bringing somebody up here, which we got Dylan, we got Chad Welch, we got guys that, so if, Let's just imagine, if Chad was up here and I wanted to go there and I, and I told, and, and we know that over there is sin, I couldn't get past him, right? I could push all I wanted, I could, or, or even more, if, if sin was out those doors and we all know sin is out those doors and I try to get through those doors, there's no way I'd make it because all of you would stop, well, not all of you, those who care about me would stop me. You know, and Terry Blair would trip me. She'd be like, I've been wanting to do this for, <laughs> for a long time. And, you know, and, and so this, this is why a church is important. This is why a small group is important because, you know, we don't necessarily know what's going on in our lives. This is why we need to actually give people access to our lives and be honest and allow them a window into our lives so that we can have truth tellers say, that, that's not good what are you doing? That, that's going to hurt. That's, that, that's sin. You need to stop that. Other people, and if you, if you have a friend who won't ever tell you when you're wrong, that is not a friend. We need truth tellers in our lives. And then the last thing too, we, we need to pray and speak his truth over our situations and over other people that we love. Um, Speaking of access to the truth, before I want to talk about prayer, um, at, at the Welcome Center, we have these, these things um, just for any parents here to take. It's a cell phone agreement. There's a little letter to parents explaining, and then there's a, there's a cell phone agreement for the child, um, for kids. And this is a great thing to talk through your kids about. Uh, maybe when you give them a cell phone, or maybe that's, you've already given them one, and you just back up and say, you know, when I start to drive, I'll never text and drive. Um, I will never bully or harass anyone using my phone. That includes joining in on a conversation that tease or make fun of others. And just a lot of really good things to talk about. If I am bullied, I, I, will, tell, I will tell you. I will tell my parents. If someone's sending something to me that's alarming or that, that you know, um, and, and that's it. But, but the greatest thing about the cell phone agreement is there's a cell phone agreement with it for the parents, 
And one of them I think that is, is very good is I give blank the right to look through my phone at any time. I know this is a helpful safeguard for me even as an adult. That's a great conversation to have with your kid to say, I, I have the right to look at your phone at any time at anything you're looking at. And you have the right to do that with my phone. And, and if there's something super secret on your phone that I don't know that your kid, maybe you talk about them a lot, I don't know, um, that your kid can't look at, then you say, and you know what? You know what? Mom can look at my phone anytime she wants. She knows she knows the passcode. You know what? My kids know my passcode because it's fairly simple. <laughs> but also because there's no, right? Right? If, if I want truth tellers in my life, I need to have a level of transparency in my life that others can, and your kids will be truth tellers for you. Man, if you tell your kids to hold you accountable about screen time, they probably will, <laughs> you know? And uh, so this is just, just a, a tool maybe you can use if you're a parent um, for that about surrounding yourself with, with truth tellers. But, but prayer, um, this is in Hebrews. You know, there's something about reading God's truth in his word, having other people tell me what's true, and then there's something about verbalizing what's true when we talk to God. And, and in our conversations with God, talking about what's true to him and, and asking him for his help. Since then, we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted he was tried. He understands everything you're going through. And yet he didn't sin and he loves you and he is in heaven and he is, he is, he is interceding for you. He's, he's the go-between between us and the Father. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Let, let's, let's run to God in our temptations. Let's not run away Let's, let's run to God for others who are being tempted as well. I'm going to close in prayer. The band's going to come and uh, close in a song. And I've invited some people uh, just to come up. I want to do this on a weekly basis. Um, and they're going to have signs like this. And do you know what this means? Of course you do. It means I will pray for you. And if you want someone to pray for you and maybe there's a struggle in your life, maybe you know, I was talking to a, a woman just before the service. Her grandson's been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. You know, what, what, whatever it is, you know, we have people here who want to pray with you and pray for you. And they'll be up front. They'll be just, even after the service, anyone holding a sign like this back there, up here, anywhere, um, feel free to come up and say, hey, um, could you pray for me? And we'd love to do that for you. Heavenly Father, I just, uh, I just thank you that you love us and that you give us a way out of temptation. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Help us, help us just to see through the lies in the world around us and to see through the lies that we tell ourselves. Um, Lord, Lord, I just ask that we would as a church just support each other and help each other to follow you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, God. God, just do something new in our lives today and uh, rescue us 
from the sins going on. I'm sure there's people here and there's been sin in their lives that has just stumped them and followed them for years. God, I just ask that today would be a day of victory, that today would be a day of bringing it to light, of getting others to help, of, of uh, a renewed commitment to your word. God, just set us free from these desires that, um, that we don't want and that end in death. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.